you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, this is going to be one of our starting passages. We'll bounce around a little bit today. We're in this two-week series on the Holy Spirit. And last week's message was entitled, Born Again. And we focused in on how the Holy Spirit is involved in the life of even those who don't yet believe. And He's drawing them in. He's convincing them of their need for Jesus. And when they come to that point where they're convinced the Spirit of God does something in their life, they actually become born again. And God replaces their heart. Their heart of stone is then replaced with this heart of flesh this responsive heart that desires to do God's will and to live in obedience to God. And so the Spirit convinces us of our need for Jesus. Then the Spirit of God also convinces us of our righteousness we have in Jesus Christ. Not that we're righteous on our own because of the things that we do, but we're righteous because of the price and the payment that Jesus made on the cross. And then when He rose again, that payment It's sincere. It is the genuine payment for sin. And Jesus did that. And there's going to be times in believers' lives where maybe they have doubts about their eternal security and whether or not they are going to actually go to heaven. And the Spirit of God comes and convinces those believers at that time, no, you are saved. And you know why you're saved? is because you're made right with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's what He did. Not what you did. And then the Spirit of God also convinces us of judgment. And when we read that, we think, oh man, judgment. And we think maybe even in our direction. But as Jesus breaks this down in John 16, He says, no, the judgment is of the evil one. And so the Spirit of God convinces us of that great victory we have over Satan. And that's something the Spirit of God does And in the midst of that, we also talked about how the Holy Spirit is our advocate. And the Greek word for the Holy Spirit is parakletos. And so uh, if if you like shapes, we're going to do some elementary here, but a parallelogram, right? You know, there's two sides that are parallel with each other. So this word uh, parakletos, you think as they come alongside each other, the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us. And He is our helper. He's our comforter. He's our encourager. He's our advocate. And I talked about how the Spirit of God speaks to us what He hears from Jesus. And so this is one of the first ways, because you think about it, as Jesus was telling His disciples in John 16, the Spirit's going to tell you things from Me. Well, guess what? Here you go. This is one way in which the Spirit of God relayed that message. The Scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so when we read from Ephesians, it's actually written from a guy named Paul. But Paul was used by the Spirit as the Spirit spoke through him. He penned these things to the church in Ephesus, and we have them today to go off of. But the Spirit of God also speaks to us in moments if we're just driving down the road. And it may not be a specific moment in God's Word, but the Spirit gives us something very specific. And I think it's those moments where Jesus gives the Spirit a Word that then comes to us and we act upon that. 
The Spirit also intercedes for us on our behalf. Romans 8 talks about that. And so there's times in life where you're going to go, I don't even know what to pray right now. How many of you have ever been there? Okay, guess what? Romans 8 says the Spirit of God intercedes on your behalf. Isn't that awesome? To know that He is advocating for us helps us as we walk out our journey. And in Romans 8, it says the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will or God's desires. But how many of you know there's times in life where we get off that path a little bit and maybe we're not exactly walking in that specific direction that God would desire? There are so many voices in our world. There's a lot of noise. And because there's so many things that are trying to move us from God's will or off of His path, it is so important for you and I to be filled with God's Spirit. And that's what we're going to break down here today with this message, Holy Spirit Flow. Would you pray with me before we get into the Word? Heavenly Father, I thank You for this time together in Your inspired Word. I pray that Your Spirit would guide us and lead us and reveal areas of our life, Lord, where You want to minister. Humble us to receive today. We want to draw closer to You, so please bless this time together. Be with our children's ministry as they're meeting right now. Bless their time in the Word as well. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians 5, it's in verse 18. One verse here in Ephesians. And then we're going to bounce around to a few others. So Ephesians 5, 18. First off, I just want to say before we read this verse, it's going to touch a little bit on alcohol. Scripture is plain as day that drunkenness is sin. Okay, We're not really unpacking that here today. We're actually looking at what alcohol does to someone, how it influences someone. And uh, Paul actually compares that to what the Holy Spirit can be doing in your life. And so Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, don't be drunk with wine or alcohol, okay? Because that will ruin your life or lead to bad decisions. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that be filled is to be continually filled. Not just a one-time thing, but to be continually filled. Just as somebody would get drunk on alcohol, at some point that's going to wear off and they would then need more, and it would continue to influence their decisions. But the point that's being made here, if you think about it, when an individual is drunk, if you've ever been around someone who's in that frame of mind, Alcohol influences their words, it influences their actions, their behaviors, their thoughts. And so just as alcohol would influence someone in those kinds of ways, Paul's trying to say, let the Holy Spirit influence you. Let the Spirit of God influence your life, your words, your actions, your thoughts and your behaviors. And as we allow the Spirit of God to influence our life in that way, there's a flow 
that begins to take place, a flow of the Holy Spirit. And about four years ago, I walked us through this, uh, if you will, uh, a flow chart using the letters F-L-O-W. And I want to walk us through that here this morning. But the first part of having the Holy Spirit flowing in your life is you need the Holy Spirit. He has to be present in you, right? And so the first thing you got to do is get saved. And the Holy Spirit then comes and takes up residence in your life. So now that you have the Holy Spirit in your life, what are some ways that you can get growing? Right? One very specific way is you take His inspired words and you begin to bring them into your life. First, you got to study or you got to learn. So you learn more from His Word. And then you can't just learn His Word and have it all be head knowledge. There's some point where you've got to bring in some application. And so then you begin to obey God's Word. You apply this into your life. So there's an obedience component to the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And then the last one is worship. Romans 12 tells us that as we offer our lives as living sacrifices to the Lord. In other words, we say, God, it's no longer about me. It's about you. And so I want you to do in my life what you would want in my life. So that means send me where you want me to go. Right? Show me what you want me to do. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to offer my life as a living sacrifice. And Romans 12 tells us that that is worship. And so as you submit or you yield your life to the Lord, the Holy Spirit is flowing through your life. And four years ago, I used this uh, fountain. Maybe you remember this, but I filled this fountain up with Powerade in the bottom. Okay, The Holy Spirit brings power into our life. And so I poured the Holy Spirit in, if you will, into this fountain. And when the Holy Spirit is in you, you're saved. We walked through that last week. And so here's the thing. The flow chart, right, of learning and obedience and worship, it's like if you hit the power button on that fountain and then that power aid begins to move. And it goes up and it starts to flow into the next tier, the next tier. And how many of you have been to a graduation reception or whatever and there's a fountain? If there's something about that that we're like, ooh, look at that. Especially if it's chocolate, right? (laughs) But there's something about that that we're drawn to. And I just want to tell you something. You can have the Holy Spirit in your life, but when He is flowing through you, people are attracted to that. They're not attracted to you. They're attracted to the Spirit of God at work in your life. And then they're drawn to it. And God uses that to draw them into a relationship. And so there's this flow. In John 7, verses 38 and 39, Jesus says these very words. He goes, anyone who believes in me, just throw that out there, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the Scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. What do you think Jesus is speaking about when he says rivers of living water? Any guesses? The Spirit. Actually, the very next verse, Scripture tells us what he's speaking about. It says, when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit. Jesus is saying the Spirit of God can flow through your life, and it says that it would be given to everyone 
believing in Him. So the qualifier to have the Spirit of God in your life is to believe in Jesus Christ. You receive the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit begins to flow through your life. Have you ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and it being love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These types of things begin to flow from your life. You're somebody now who is more loving because the Spirit of God is at work in your life. You're somebody who has more patience. It's not like you can just pick one of those. I like that one. That one's easier. But these other eight, we'll just slide that over. Right? Self-control. Right? We, we, We get all of that fruit when the Spirit comes into our life. And these things should be growing from us. The fruit of the Spirit. The other thing is the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit begin to flow from our life. And Scripture talks about a variety of gifts, and we're to use these gifts to serve the Lord, to serve in the kingdom, to serve one another. But all of that is through the flow of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. So some questions to ask yourself in regards to the Spirit's presence in your life. If you're saved, the next question would be, is He really flowing through my life? Have I changed since that moment I got saved? Has God grown me in these areas? Am I being sanctified? Because that's what that word means, to, to be growing and looking more and more like Christ in our journey. And if you're not... I think you go back to that flow chart and say, where am I lacking here? Am I not in the Word enough? Am I not obeying God's Word? Am I not offering my life unto service of the kingdom of God? When you're doing those things, God's going to be producing fruit in your life. Tracy, I think it was you that told me one time, you can't have the Creator living in you without producing something. Think about that. He created the whole world and universe in six days. Six days. And then he comes to live in you. Don't you think something's going to happen? He shows up and stuff takes place. He brings life wherever he is. And as we struggle with sin all the way to the point until we take our last breath here on this sin-cursed planet, the Bible talks about wrestling between flesh and and spirit. And so you and I, we've got that struggle. And sometimes it's just on this daily basis where we're, we're faced with decisions or there's things that come up and we can either live by the Spirit or we can live by our flesh. And as we yield more and more to the Spirit, things happen. You grow, His gifts are activated, and God does amazing things. One of the things I want to emphasize today is the fact that the Holy Spirit brings a power into our life that you will not find anywhere else. Jesus talked about this power. Today is Pentecost. 
And I'm going to break down the meaning of that here in a moment. But last week, we took a moment. We had the three volunteers, right? We had somebody up here representing the Father. We had somebody here representing Jesus the Son. And we had somebody here representing the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is very clear. No one can come to the Father except through Me. There's all kinds of religions out there, and people think there's all kinds of ways to get to God the Father. Jesus Himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through Me. It's only through Jesus that you can have access to the Father. And then we talked about what the Spirit of God is doing in our life, even before we put our faith and trust in Jesus. And so we were praying for my friend, who's here again today, and I just prayed, Holy Spirit, will you draw my friend to Jesus? And the Holy Spirit brought my friend up here and had an encounter with Jesus, and they got saved in our illustration. And I said, in that moment when we receive salvation, that moment in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the one who's doing the baptizing, and He baptizes us into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, we are baptized into one body by one Spirit. He's the one who does this, and that born again, that miracle takes place in our life. And I want to draw our attention here to another baptism that is available to believers, and it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. One is performed by the Holy Spirit. The other one is performed by Jesus. Jesus is a baptizer. And now I'm going to walk us through passages that draw this out because you can see this clearly in Scripture. In all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's a moment where John the Baptist talks about Jesus coming, and he's going to be a baptizer. If you remember John the Baptist, what did he do? He baptized. It's in his name. Okay? John baptized in water, and there's a certain point when he is witnessing to people and sharing about the one who is to come, he says, there's one who's coming whose sandals I'm not even fit to untie. He is going to baptize in the Holy Spirit. John says, I baptize with water, but he will baptize in the Spirit. So John is speaking of what Jesus is going to be doing. And I want you to think about this. The disciples of Jesus Christ, as they followed him, for several years before he went to the cross, at what point did they get saved? Was Matthew saved when Jesus said, Come and follow me? And I don't think Matthew was saved until after Jesus paid the penalty and the price for sin and rose in the power of the Holy Spirit because salvation was not available as far as Calvary was concerned. Jesus hadn't paid the price yet. And when Jesus rose from the dead, He appears to His disciples several times. And in John 20, verse 22, Jesus breathes onto His disciples and He says, Receive the Holy Spirit. 
Many theologians think that's the moment where his disciples got saved. The Spirit of God, like wind, we broke that down last week, Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive. So think that moment has happened. It happened at a moment of resurrection and an appearance to the disciples. Breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. But understand, as Jesus continued to meet with His disciples before He ascended into heaven, He had more to say to them besides just receive my Spirit. In Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus tells them, I will send you the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city. They were in Jerusalem. Stay here until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Now, the writer of the book of Luke is Luke. The writer of the book of Acts is Luke. And you could read the last chapter of Luke and go right into the first chapter of Acts, and it's like there was no separation. They run right together. And so if you roll right into Acts chapter 1, Jesus has more to say to His disciples about the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, Once when Jesus was eating with them, He commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that He promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He already told them, receive my Spirit when He breathed on them. And now He's saying things like this. You were baptized in water, but you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll receive this to be my witnesses. You'll receive it to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Power is coming, and the disciples were told by Jesus to wait for that power to show up. Let's talk about Pentecost now. The Old Testament Pentecost was observed by the Jewish people, and it commemorates God's giving of the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. And this was 50 days after they left Egypt and were freed from slavery. 50 days. So the word Pentecost, uh, penta meaning five, and costi to the tenth power, you get 50 with that word. So the Old Testament Pentecost, 50 days from when they were freed from Egypt, they received the Ten Commandments. Now the New Testament Pentecost. So all these Jewish people are there in Jerusalem observing Pentecost. And while that's taking place, that's around the time where Jesus says, I want you to go and I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit to come and fill you with power. And the New Testament Pentecost, it commemorates the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church. This was 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead. 50 days. And so as we observe Pentecost today, we went through a whole series on Exodus, if you remember that. That was earlier in the year. And we walked through the giving of the Ten Commandments and then being freed 
from slavery in Egypt. And now we have this New Testament Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes and brings power. So in Acts chapter 2 is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I want to walk us through this, starting in verse 1. It was on the day of Pentecost that all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Imagine, just imagine for a moment if during this service the Spirit fell on this place and we all started speaking in other languages. It'd be a little bit weird, wouldn't it? But there were people outside this room who happened to speak some of these languages that were being spoken in that room. And what they were hearing were praises to God and they're starting to question, what is going on up there? And Peter, filled with the Spirit, stands up and begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these people, they're cut to the heart, and they're going, how do we respond? And Peter gives them the response in verse 38. He says, each of you, you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Another way to say that, if I was to just say that plainly to all of you, you need to get saved. If you were to ask me how I should respond to what Jesus has done, I'd say, you need to bring him into your life. Repent of your sins and turn to God. Get saved. And he says, and then be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So in other words, proclaim that you're saved by getting water baptized. He says, then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think he's talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Separate from salvation. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. All who have been called by the Lord our God. All who have been called. This is available to everyone. If you've been born again, Scripture is very clear that you have received the Holy Spirit. He's in your life. He's present with you. The Spirit baptized you into the name of Jesus at that moment you were saved. But I want to ask a question to all of us. Have you ever asked for Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit? Because there is a power that comes with that request. A little excerpt here from R.A. Torrey and Robert Morris. It's an autobiography and then also in a book, The God I Never Knew, they talk about this man named D.L. Moody. Maybe you've heard of that man before. In Moody's autobiography, we learn that he had a very transformative experience with the Holy Spirit years after he was saved and years after he went into ministry. In the late 1800s, Moody was the pastor of a church in Chicago, which meant in a rented room. And he thought he was doing pretty well in ministry. But eventually, two elderly free Methodist women in his congregation by the name of Auntie Cook and Mrs. Snow began to pray that Moody would receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. When these prayer warriors told him what they'd been asking God to do in his life, he thanked them 
for their prayers, but he tactfully explained that he'd received all the Holy Spirit there was to get when he got saved. According to Moody, as these women tenaciously continued to pray for him, he began to realize that he didn't have much in the way of supernatural power operating in his ministry. At least not the kind that he saw flowing through those ordinary Christians that are found in the Scriptures. In Acts 2, he clearly saw that there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon a person, and they were imparted a power to witness for Jesus. And he ultimately came to a conclusion in his life that he lacked another baptism. He began to pray for it, and he also asked that the two women would also pray for him to receive an outpouring of God's power. Well, not long after that, God answered the cry of D.L. Moody's heart. Moody had been invited to preach in England, and for a few days before his ship was scheduled to depart, he was in New York City. And one day he was taking a walk when something remarkable happened in his life. As his friend R.A. Torrey described it years later, he was walking up Wall Street in New York, and in the midst of the bustle and the hurry of that city, his prayer was answered. The power of God fell upon him as he walked up the street, and he had to hurry off to the house of a friend and ask that he might have a room by himself. And in that room, he stayed alone for hours. And the Holy Ghost came upon him, filling his soul with such joy that at last he had to ask God to withhold his hand lest he die on the spot from the very joy. He went out from that place with the power of the Holy Ghost upon him, and when he got to London, the power of God wrought through him mightily in North London, and hundreds were added to churches. And Moody later said that he was never the same after the day that he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He realized that almost everything that he had accomplished in ministry prior to that moment had been done in the power of his own limited flesh. Afterward, he saw tens of thousands saved in revivals everywhere that he went. And some biographers say that the Holy Spirit empowered Moody so greatly that when he would just walk through factories the workers would fall on their faces and be saved. And Acts 1.8 says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and it's power to witness. Notice what the emphasis was for D.L. Moody's life. People were getting saved because of this empowerment. I think some churches can get a hold of this and make it all kinds of wacky. But the power comes so that you can be greater in your efforts in the kingdom. We want to see people get saved. That's why we desire this. We want to walk out our faith journey with greater empowerment in the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 19, the Apostle Paul shows up to Ephesus the very book that I preached from where he wrote a letter to that church and said, be filled with the Holy Spirit, not with alcohol, right? He wrote that to that church. But when he was there at that church, in Acts 19, 
It says that Paul came up and he found several believers. That's in verse 1. These people he comes up to, they're believers. So they have the Holy Spirit living in them. He sees these believers and he asks them this question in verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, this is the Apostle Paul who in several of his letters talks about how we get the Holy Spirit when we're saved. He's asking these believers, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And their reply was no. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And He's living in them. And He asked, so then what baptism did you experience? And they said, the baptism of John. And Paul said, well, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I think they received that water baptism that declares their faith in Jesus Christ. And then, in verse 6, it says, When Paul laid his hands on them, the Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in other tongues, and they prophesied. I think in this particular passage, you can see salvation, because it calls them believers, so at some point in their life, they became believers and the Holy Spirit baptized them into the name of Jesus, into the body of Christ. And then here, while they're with Paul, they get water baptized, proclaiming that faith in Jesus. And then lastly, as he lays his hands on them, I think you see the baptism in the Holy Spirit upon these believers. This empowerment that is needed for witnessing. They receive the Spirit of God, and I want to leave you with this testimony from a pastor down in Titusville, Florida, Dr. Peter Lord. He was the pastor at Park Avenue Baptist Church. And one morning he was in his quiet time, and the Lord spoke to him and asked him the question, have you received the Holy Spirit? And here he is as a pastor, he goes, of course, Lord. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I'm saved. The Spirit of God lives in me. Well, at that time, his mother-in-law started living in their home due to some health reasons. And he wasn't necessarily crazy about that living arrangement. Well, here's the Lord ask him this question. Your mother-in-law lives in your house but have you received her? And he thought to himself, no, Lord, not fully. And the Lord said to him, the Spirit of God lives in your house, but have you received him? So a question I have for all of us here is, have you fully received everything the Spirit has to offer in your life? Have you ever prayed asking for Jesus to baptize you in the Spirit? He said himself that that's what he was going to do. And John talked about one is coming who will baptize you in the Spirit. And just as you receive Christ by grace through faith, I think you can receive 
this baptism of Jesus in the Holy Spirit by faith. Just ask for it. And some denominations and some teachers will say, you've got to speak in tongues to receive this. And I think we're just going to leave stuff like that up to God. And what I can see clearly in Scripture is that Jesus baptizes and we can ask for it. So by faith, we ask for it. Jesus said in Luke 11, Everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So there's two responses to today's message. The first one is this. Are you saved? Are you saved? Is the Holy Spirit even living in you? And I'm going to lead us in a moment as we pray for you to receive Christ. And with Christ comes the presence of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm talking to you and you're saved and the Spirit is in your life, I'm going to ask while we're praying if there's a moment where you say, I want to ask Jesus to baptize me in the Spirit. We're going to give you that opportunity as well. That's where our response is today. And so will you go with me in prayer as we close this time together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Father, if there's someone listening right now that they can't think of a moment in their life where they became born again and they received you by grace through faith and salvation, salvation from sin, salvation from hell, and made right with you and relationship with you. I want to invite that person to pray with me right now to receive you. Just pray with me in your heart as I lead you. Simply say, Jesus, today I surrender. I want this gift of salvation. Would you please save me? Forgive me of my sin. Change my heart and make me new. Today I receive you, Jesus. And with you I also receive the Holy Spirit. Thank you for this gift of salvation. While we're praying together, if there are individuals that today you would desire to ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to simply ask you to stand. Thank you. Any folks standing right now. Nothing to be ashamed of here. We're just looking at Scripture and t taking a step of faith. Father, I ask for you to pour out your Spirit 
upon everyone listening today. And for those that are standing, desiring you to baptize, Jesus, we ask that you would come now and baptize those who are standing in the Spirit of God. Empower them to witness to the glory of God. This is all about you. So, Spirit of God, empower us to live for Jesus. Empower us to tell others about you. And empower us to live in great victory. And we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I want to invite.